0: Good morning. So, we are beginning a new teaching series today that's going to take us over the next three Sundays. Um, It's entitled, What Does God Want?, which we felt like was a really clever way of asking the question, what God wants from our life. And we're looking forward to asking that question together because most of us here today are really, really clear on what we want, what we want out of life, what we think life ought to look like. We live in a culture that is increasingly clear about telling God what God should want. I had someone this week who said to me, my God would never do that. That's a fascinating power position to put yourself in. When we start dictating to God what a God will and won't do because of course what that means is we're playing God. Which I don't know all of you. I definitely do not need to be in the position a plain God. But we are astute right now, going, I don't, I don't like that because God wouldn't do that. Wow. Those are huge statements to make. The good news in Scripture is that Scripture actually makes it very clear, the question if we look, what is God looking for? What is God looking for in our lives? What is God looking for from each of us? And so we're going to ask that question for the next three weeks. What does God want? And to do it, we are going to use one verse of Scripture. We're going to use the book of Micah, which is one of the prophets, uh, chapter 6, verse 8. And so we're going to bring that up here now. And the verses 6 and 7, which I read in our earlier three services, uh, talk a lot about the people asking this question, well, what does God want of us? And they're asking all these things about going, well, can we, we can do all these rituals and we have all these fancy worship services and we have these great songs and we can, we're willing to kind of succeed in all these different ways. And in the midst of these people going, we can do this and we can do that, and aren't you impressed with this? And don't you think we should do this? And and kind of running around a lot like our lives probably feel. We're just kind of running and accomplishing, we're just busy and, and, and chalking up victories. God says through Micah in a very clear way Listen, he has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly? with your God. These three things. And we're going to spend one Sunday looking at each of these three. We're going to spend this Sunday on what does it mean to do justice. We're going to talk about one week, what does it mean to love kindness or, or mercy, as some translations say. We're going to talk about that next Sunday. And what does it mean to walk humbly with our God? What would it mean to build our lives and our days and our calendars and our priorities saying, this is the stuff God's asking. What would that look like? to be those kind of people. Now, one of the first things I want to say about this is is, is as follows. When when it says that, what does the Lord require of you? We hear that word require, and we can start thinking about rules. We can start thinking about religious rules, right? Like that God is looking at us today and going, I'm telling you, these are the rules. This is what you better do. This is what you're required to do. You better be doing justice. I'm telling you, I'm watching. If you want to get into heaven, this is what it means. You better be a person who's doing justice. You better be able to prove it to me. And you better be kind, even when your parents aren't looking or your teachers aren't looking. I'm telling you, I'm watching. You know, you go on the naughty list. You better be be kind, and you better be walking with me, right? Like God's some sort of egomaniac that's just going, I just kind of need your attention to feel like I'm worth something, right? That's not what this is. These aren't requirements in that way. Rather, what God is saying through Micah here and saying to all of us today is that God's saying, I made you. I created you. I want you to have purpose and fulfillment in this world. I want you to live a life that matters. I made you for that. I made you to have a purpose. And the ways that we find what God's purpose is, the way that we understand and learn uh, what God's plans are for us, the way that we live out the mission God has for us is to start with building our lives around these priorities. I want you to be people who are, who are conscious of, of doing justice, In a world where there's so much injustice, as we talked about last Sunday, what does it mean that this is a, a core part of who you are? What does it mean to love kindness and to be those kinds of people when so often we're short tempered and so often we get frustrated when people kind of get in our way and stop our days from going the way? What does it mean to be merciful and kind? And lastly, what does it mean in this crazy busy world to be people who are walking with the Lord? Now, I once heard an Old Testament scholar say that anytime you are in the Old Testament, you see a list of things like this, doing justice, loving kindness, walking with God, that the right place to start is at the end of the list, that the way Hebrew works is that, that has the, what's at the end has the most point of emphasis, and therefore it's where we are to begin. So, I think that this illustrates that point really well, and we're going to start today not with doing justice or loving kindness. We're going to start with walking humbly with God. Which is really important because when you think about it, the church at its core is not simply um, a a justice organization. We're not just a 501c3 like any other one in Austin that's just like, hey, we just are here to care for the city, right? I mean, it is a core part of who we are. But how we understand justice is not that we are people who have our own – if you go ask 100 people the definition of justice in Austin today, you're going to get 100 different definitions, We are people who who understand even what justice is by looking at the scriptures and God saying, this is what I say it is. This is the value that creation has. This is the ways that you work for justice. And it's not just about being really kind. Church is not just about going every Sunday we just get kinder and kinder and kinder until we're just the kindest people in Austin. That's not what church is. It's not what it's about. That it starts with our walk, with our relationship with God that what God is saying is at the very, very core, you and I are not meant for anything other than finding meaning in relationship. Relationship is where we find our meaning and so much of our purpose. And so God's saying at the very beginning, you and I need to be people who are walking and in relationship with the Lord, which is an amazing thing when you think about it. I mean, seriously, stop for just a second and think about what that is that the Lord is saying to us today of all the things that are going on and of all the things you can do, the creator of the universe, the the God who placed the stars in the sky is saying to every single one of you today, the most important thing is my relationship with you. Unless you are an incredible off-the-charts narcissist, that should bring you to your knees. That should just be like, oh my gosh, God, uh, uh, you know, among the billions of people on the earth today and in all time and space and all of history is looking at me right now and saying to you, you could not be more valuable to me. Not because of what you do or how smart you are or your accomplishments. You are valuable to me. I mean, that, just, that should just, that's, it's so breathtaking in its beauty. He goes, the main thing is I, I want to walk with you. That's the starting point. So I want to ask you today, How's your relationship with God? How's your walk with the Lord? Is it rich? Is it deep? Is it intimate? Is God talking to you? Is it awkward right now? Do you not really know? Are you like two ships passing in the night because of your busyness and so we get a 30 second prayer when we're kind of exhausted in bed at the end of the day? Sociologists are telling us that in our world today, that number one, we are people who are busier than ever, so we are more active than ever, and we are going to bed at night feeling unfulfilled. We are busy, but we're not busy with the right things. The Lord's saying to us, it starts with a relationship. It doesn't start, look at all the things we're doing and the, the accomplishments and the grades and my work, and, and we're on these 18 different committees, and we went to this fundraiser and blah, 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 blah. You're missing it if you're missing the relationship with God. You're missing the point of the whole thing, and there's a piece of you that will not be filled without it. It's this wonderful, wonderful invitation from God to you today. But if you're like me, there's also a part of that that's really abstract, right? Like, it's God. How do you have a relationship with God, right? I mean, how does that work, For a long time in my life, this was a source of amazing guilt for me. Amazing guilt for me. That I was, because I was studying to be a pastor and then was a pastor, I couldn't talk about with people. Because I didn't know if I really had that much of a relationship with God in terms of like this daily walk, right? Because I had this image in my head. And some of you may have it today too. That like, I have a walk with God, but there are really spiritual people who are different, right? Right? They're really spiritual people who can pray in a different way, and I'm not like that. My wife, God bless her, uh, you know, early in our marriage, we would be kind of wrestling with stuff and talking about stuff, and I sleep, and this is true today, I sleep to the last possible moment when I have to wake up. Like, I figure out down to the minute when I can set my alarm clock to just get as much sleep as possible. We would be wrestling with stuff and what are we supposed to do and where are our lives? And I would wake up when I absolutely had to and look around and Beth wasn't there. She wasn't sleeping anymore and I would go outside and she was in our study or in the kitchen and she's like, I've spent the last kind of hour in prayer and silence. You're like, what? (laughs) Like seriously? She goes, yeah, I kind of journaled some things and these are some things I felt like that the Lord may have been saying and you're like, yeah, we'll get to that. You prayed for an hour in silence? Seriously? And you did it yesterday too. Like what is the deal with that? Because I couldn't do it. So here's what I spent. I spent years trying to do this. I'm going to get a healthy prayer life. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to do this. And this time I mean it. It's not like the other times when I kind of did it for three days and stuff. I mean it this time right? And so I started, you know, going, that's the way you got to do it. You got to be in silence and solitude, turn your phone off, which is a good thing. And and then you'd sit there and I'd try to pray in silence. And this is what I would do. Oh God, I'm here because I need you. And I need you because I do a lot of bad things. And so I confess that. I confess like last night when I should have been preparing for a sermon, I was watching a football game and I confess that to you. I confess to you that I need you in that just like the coach needs you who called a pass play on third and one and cost him the game, and uh, I ask your forgiveness for the things I said after he did that, and I ask your forgiveness, Lord, for him because he needs your forgiveness for that and for costing us the game, which I still feel like we need to reconcile over, and then you kind of go, oh, wait, wait, I'm not supposed to do that. That's not spiritual enough. And then I look at my watch and I was gonna try to do 15 minutes and four minutes of it are gone at that point. And then you're like, did that count? Or does the 15 minutes have to start over at that point? Because that's obviously not a very spiritual prayer. And I would do that for like three days, get really frustrated with it and just sort of stop again. Now, I might be the only one who struggles with this. But if the Lord is saying to you today, hey, the most important thing is your relationship with me, that can feel really intimidating and awkward like you don't know what to do. So I want to share something with you that was a liberating idea and thought for me personally. And maybe it might be for some of you as well. I want you to think this week and determine to spend time in your thin place. I want you to think about this week what it means for you to spend time in your thin place. Now, some of you might not know what that is, a thin place. Some of you may have heard of that before. If you've not heard about a thin place before, the first time I got exposed to the idea of a thin place was actually the first time I got uh, invited to come to Texas. The two of those happened together. Um, And this was many, many years ago before I knew about Covenant. Uh, as some of you know, when I was a seminary student studying for the ministry, I also worked in a church. Beth and I worked at a church, and we worked with college students, and um, and we had this ministry that started on Monday nights. We got it going, and it started growing, and we developed a website, and this is going to make me really old, but a website at that point was like a pretty new invention, so there was like this cool thing. We're like, wow, like you can put stuff on there, and people around the world can go see it, kids, you know, and I, feel, I start talking about that, and I feel like it's like, I used to walk up to school up both ways, uphill, and you don't know how good you kids have it today. But it was a website, this really cool thing. No one had heard of Facebook or Instagram yet. And we had a, fa- a website, and there were sermons on it. And so one day I got a phone call from a group in Texas who said that they were planning a conference to take place at a, a spot called Mo Ranch. Now, some of you may have heard of Mo Ranch. Some of you may have been there. If not, it's a camp and conference center about two hours west of here. And they invited me to come and speak at one of their summer programs called Junior High Jubilee, which I'd never heard of. I'd never heard of Mo Ranch before. I'd never heard of Junior High Jubilee before. I'd never worked with Junior High students before. But they said, we've heard some of your sermons on the internet here in Texas, and we'd like to invite you to come out to preach for five nights at this Junior High Jubilee. And I'm like, really? And they're like, yes. Uh, are you available? I'm like, I don't have tomorrow planned. I have no idea what's going on next July. I'm like, uh, sure. And they're like, well, obviously you're going to want to pray about it. You're like, no, I can't do that. But it's like, yes, of course, I want to pray. <laughs> Jesus wants me to. He wants me to come, and so I'm going to go do this thing. And so it was awesome because I got to go to my classmates uh, in seminary, and they love it when you do this. This shows my spiritual maturity. I used to walk up to them, and I'm like, hey, Clark, what are you doing next July? I don't know. It's October. Why would I know what I'm doing? Oh, I was just wondering. And Clark would say, well, I don't, what are you doing next July? Well, funny you should ask. I've been invited to go speak at this conference in Texas. And aren't I a really important, great person? And um, I made a lot of friends that way. A lot of people who just loved me uh, through that. And, but then I forgot about it. Right. Cause it was like, it's like happening in July and it's October. And I just quit thinking about it. Right. And then in February, the people from Mo Ranch called back, and they're like, you've got five talks in five nights, and we need outlines for your talks. And you're going, uh-oh, haven't thought of that through our yet of what we're going to be doing, and I realized that my work with college students was really different than working with junior high students. Not better, not harder, just different, right? Talking to a 23-year-old or a 24-year-old grad student is very different from talking to a sixth grader or seventh grader. It's just a different thing. And so I'm like, I got to figure out what to do. I got to figure out how you communicate with junior high students. And so I did what like an actor does. I did research, right? And so I got my like, old junior high yearbooks out. And I'm like, well, if I can get back in like what junior high kids are thinking about, that'll kind of help me to kind of think, how do you craft this or what are the questions? And that was, that, was a, that was a painful experience to open the yearbook back up and be like, oh my gosh, braces and glasses and hair and oh, uh, and you saw people, and was like, oh my gosh, that kid was so mean, and, uh, and so then the only thing that came from that was look, wanting to look at these kids at Junior High Jubilee going, don't worry, it gets better, it's not always going to be this way, which no one wants to hear about for five nights, and so then, in the end, I'm like, I was really in a panic, I didn't know what to do, and so I, I went and talked to a professor of mine, I went and talked to a guy named Roger Nishioka, who is a professor, he's an amazing professor, uh, teacher and speaker, and he specializes in youth and young adult ministry. And I did my thing to be kind of cool um, because I wanted to impress him because I was taking him for a class next semester, and I walked in. I'm like, hey, Roger, what are you doing next July? And uh, he's like, I'm speaking at 11 different things around the world. And I was like, oh, well, I'm going to junior high Jubilee at uh, Mo Ranch. I don't even know what that is, but I'm going to be going. And I said, Roger, I'm in a panic here, man, because I need to know what to do. I, I do not know how to do this, and I need help I had a notepad out right in front of me. Now, I want to say this up front. Many of you are really smart people. Some of you are probably academics, like Roger Nishioka, PhD people, really smart. And God loves you. He really does. Sometimes, and I hope you're aware of this, it's hard for the 99% of us to understand what you're saying and what you're writing about and studying or to translate it to a real-world practical example, right? And so I sat down with Roger. I'm like, Roger, I need your help with this. I, need, and I don't need theories. I don't need like pine. I need like nuts and bolts. Write my talks for me, please. What do you talk to sixth graders about? And I've got it. My pencil's there. And He goes, got it, got it, got it, got it. And he's sitting at his desk. And he goes, Thomas, there's one thing you got to know one thing if you get this one thing everything else becomes clear what's the thing i'm ready for the thing the thing you've got to know about mo ranch is it's a thin place and he lean back in his chair <laughs> perfect <laughs> great all questions answered. I wrote on my pad, thin place question mark. He goes, is that, is that, does that help? You're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's that's powerful, 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 so powerful stuff. He goes, any questions about that? I'm like, no, no, I mean it's a place. It's like that. It's like thin, very, very, very thin. Um, I said, what else might one say about a thin place, (laughs) hypothetically, for other people who don't know? He goes, well, I don't know how else to put it. It's a convergent point between the imminent and the transcendent. (laughs) Wonderful. This is just wonderful. I don't even know how to spell those words and to write them down. But boy, that's what middle schoolers are thinking about today, I'll tell you. And he goes, I hope this has really been helpful. I'm like, I, Roger, I'll be honest with you. I have no clue what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. But what he was saying is this. He said, Mo Ranch is one of those thin places in the world where the barriers and the differences between heaven and earth start to kind of melt away and go away. It's a place where earth... And heaven feel like they're really, really close. He said, "Mo Ranch is one of those thin places where people go there stressed out, and they go there tired, and they go there believing the lies about themselves that they're not good enough, or they haven't accomplished enough, or that they can find their worth in their resumes." He goes, "It's a place that people go whose relationships are difficult and painful, and God encounters them there. It's a place where they are reminded of the truth that they are loved, that they are valued, that they are seen and heard by God. It is a place." place where heaven and earth come together. And he said, people find it in the hiking, they find it in the hills, they find it in the mountains. It's a place where they go and they are restored, where they encounter Jesus. And he said, Thomas, what are your thin places? Where do you encounter Jesus in those kinds of ways? And the answer for me came that Mo Ranch became one of those places. I went there that summer, and in the midst of busyness and my ego and everything else going on, I encountered Jesus there in a really special and profound way. And the way I encountered it was I was introduced to the concept of a prayer walk, a prayer walk where I got to go hiking, and I had someone say to me, just go hiking and pray. And it revolutionized prayer for me because it got me away from the idol of form. I wanna say that again, because it changed so much for me. It got me away from the idol of form, that prayer happened for really spiritual people in a room, in silence, no music, just sitting there, and God had these amazing things. It works for Beth. It works for some of you. It might work perfectly for many of you, and that is wonderful, but that is not the way of praying. It's not the way of experiencing God. What I learned is that God made me totally unique, just like God made you. And then I'm a pretty active person. I go crazy if I'm in my office for like two hours or more. I've got to move around and do stuff. And so he said, "You know, you go on a walk. Don't, why do you have to sit in a room? Where's that in the Bible? Go off and pray. Go walk. Be active. And I'm also a verbal processor. You may encounter that from time to time. And so he's like, pray out loud. It doesn't have to be in silence. There's nothing in the Bible that says that prayer life has to be this way. And so I'd start walking in the hills of Mo Ranch and I'd start praying out loud and I'd get felt really weird. And yet all of a sudden I'd come back and it's like I felt refreshed and I I felt like God said things to me and I felt like God shaped and molded me in a way that I'd never experienced before. It it robbed me for so long this idea that, that a walk with God looks like this and spiritual people look like this. And it changed it where I realize God wants a relationship. He's made each of you unique. Every one of you, he made special and unique. And therefore, your relationship with God will be unique. What's your thin place? What's the place that you go? And just God just speaks and works in you. It might be the beach. It might be the mountains. It might be a hike. And those are good things to pursue. But the most important thing is we pursue this daily. It doesn't have to wait for a beach trip. What does it mean to walk with God now? Prayer walks are now a very normal part of my life. I do it multiple times a week. I'm the guy in our neighborhood that walks, and sometimes I'm praying out loud, and sometimes I'm talking. I know I've got to build that into my calendar because it is where I experience God. I do that every single Saturday night when I'm preaching a sermon on Sunday morning. Every single, that's my rockin' Saturday evening. Is I go out and I go for a walk when the sermon's already written and it's like, Lord, what do you want to do with this? And and is your spirit in this? And is there things you want me to change? And lots of times, like last night, there was things that the Lord sort of took and moved and shifted around that if I do it in any other form, I can't experience that. What's your thin place? I know you're busy. I know you are hard-charging. I know that you've got a lot going on. I know that you've accomplished enough. The people in Micah 6 are going, look what we've done. Look at all the stuff. Look at the elaborate things. Look at all the things, God. Are you impressed? We're, we're trying to find you in this. We've got these ceremonies. I'm, I'm serving on these committees. I, I'm on these boards. I'm attending these fundraisers. Look at all the stuff. And the Lord's going, that's fantastic. But it's not the core of why you're here. What does the Lord require you to do justice? To love kindness and to be with him to walk with them humbly. What would it mean if we built our calendars that way this week? What it would mean if we took the countercultural move this week of not setting our calendars the way we normally do, which is, I'm gonna do this here, and I've got this meeting here, and I gotta run the class, and I gotta do the car, but we define our weeks by our activity. What would it mean this week if we built our calendars to say the most important thing is right there, I'm gonna pursue my thin place? I'm going to go there. I'm going to walk with the Lord. I expect to encounter him there. And if you don't know where your thin place is, start looking. Start asking how you're created. If you're not certain, talk to someone in this community. Come talk to me. I would love to have that conversation with you. The Lord wants nothing more than to be with you. To be with you. Who are we to pursue anything other? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Let's stand and pray. Lord, we ask that we would encounter you this week, that you, the living God, that we would build our lives to journey with you, to seek you, to listen for you, that we would go to that place, whether it's in music or in walks or in hiking or or in solitude, that we would go to those places this week where we will know that we can encounter you, where we feel our souls nurtured and coming alive in you. And it may look different and weird to everybody else, but may we claim this week how we experience you. And may we not be too busy. May we not be too proud. May we not be too accomplished to experience you every moment. We pray to live in alignment with this call from Micah this day, this week, and always. In Jesus' name, amen.